check one, two, and we back at it. Let me tell you something, man. I always enjoy when I get a chance to put a bumper and talk to the internets before an episode. Sometimes an episode drops and some of the internets say, look, you know, we didn't get a chance to really hear from you. Um, and, and sometimes it's like that. But sometimes, you know, you know, I get a chance to talk in front of the, an episode and I really enjoy it because it's a chance to check, check in with the internets worldwide. So first off, okay, right off the bat, okay, Take your iPhone, your Android, whatever it is, open up your Twitter app, open up your Instagram app, and, and I always say it, check the fuck in. Wherever you're from, Florida's always on the check-in. Yo, yo, Russia was on the check-in last week, okay? Uh, Melbourne, D.C., Boston, Houston, California, New York City, of course. I, I mean, internet's at Premium Pete, at Premium Pete Show. Let me know where you're checking in from. Let me talk to you, wherever it is. Let me know what episode you like, okay? Let me know what episode you're listening to. But more importantly, let me know what episode inspired you, okay? Because we're going to continue to bring people from all walks of life, entrepreneurs, athletes, artists, etc. While you're at it too, okay? I always said, suggest an episode to a friend. If you know a friend that, 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 that wants to get into the building a business or a brand, uh, whatever it is, suggest an episode to them, Okay? Whether it be a restaurateur, a clothing line, an artist, an entrepreneur, whatever it is, okay? Go to iTunes, look for the Premium Pete Show, subscribe, rate, leave a comment. If you're already subscribed, I appreciate you, but tell a friend to tell a friend. And I'll tell you one thing, speaking about friends, you know what I've realized too when you grow up with uh, some childhood friends, sometimes people like, and it's, it's, it's crazy to say this, but sometimes people... Uh, have expiration dates in your life. And I'm not talking about passing away, meaning like, you know, when you grow and you try to, you know, find your passion or turn your dreams into reality. And always remember, the day job fuels the dream job. So don't, don't, don't give up yet. You have that patience. But when you try to turn your dreams into reality, sometimes your childhood friends don't see that. And, and, and you know why? It's because they could see you for who you are or who you were, not who you could be. And, you know, I will say this. Don't ever be afraid of that. I promise you this. I'm living proof. I've had friends that I grew up with so many and been lucky to have them around. But some of them don't really understand what is, you know, like what it is to take a risk or try to turn your dreams into reality. And that's okay. Some people just, you know, have a vision to go work a certain job and be there for 30, 40 years. And there's nothing wrong with that. Collect a pension, et cetera. But when you try to turn your dreams into reality, it's going to be a lot of people who are going to, you know, be naysayers. But never let that give up. Never let that, you know, change your, your mindset. Never let that get you off guard. I, I, I will say this most importantly, okay? There's so, and that's what I love about podcasting. Take a look at my catalog. Look through the Premium Pete Show catalog. Because people on there who have turned their dreams into reality <clears throat> are inspiring. Tremendously inspiring. And they're just regular people like me or you. Okay? So I will say this, you know, don't always go, you know, get down on yourself if if certain people don't believe in you because not everyone is going to see the dream. Not everyone is going to, you know, have the foresight to see what's ahead. And sometimes you may not even see it. But I promise you, trust the journey and have patience even when you don't even know what could be next. Because you never know. And patience is the key to everything. Let me tell you, you know, this week's episode is, is a special one I've been trying to get done for a long time. I mean, Nikki Diamonds, 
started a skatewear brand many years ago to a t- honestly a dude who started a, an empire from a t-shirt and that's what i really look at i mean it's, you know diamond started off as skatewear and hardware but literally a t-shirt line that turned into an empire okay i mean it, it, it's inspiring living in group homes and and turning a, a company like that into a hundred and hundred plus million dollars but more importantly, even really coming to life and understanding uh, changes, you know, being a better man, spending money foolishly, learning how to be a... Listen, okay, it's undeniable when you think about Diamond Supply. The Diamond Supply, the Nike SB, Diamond Tiffany Dunk, uh, game-changing. In streetwear, um, in, in, in sneaker culture, it, it, it's inspiring, more importantly. Do, you can say Diamond Supply is an, an iconic brand, man, and, and, and it helped change the game Internets, okay? I don't need to get sent more further. If you're a person that would love to start your own business, uh, I know there's tons of people who have T-shirt brands or want to you know, have their own clothing brand, look no further, okay? And I present to you this week's episode of the Premium P Show with the one and only Nikki Diamonds of Diamond Supply Co. Cheer. Let's get to it. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Fat Man Scoop, the undisputed voice of the club, the two-time Grammy Award winner. Let me make this official for you. Fat Man Scoop, Cork McClan, Internets. It's time to go with my dude, Premium Pete. Let's get focused. Let's go. Internets, let's turn up. One time, Premium Pete. Come on, everybody, get set. Let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up. It's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low, listen to the Show cause Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internet's welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting here with my longtime friend, okay? Designer. Right? What else we call you? Entrepreneur? Uh skater? Well, you don't skate no more though, right? A little bit. Um just a, a real uh trailblazer. Um in this thing <coughs> in, in, in this thing we love in the culture, the one and only Nikki Diamonds. What's up, my brother? What's up, man? Listen, first of all, I'm 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 excited. It's been this has been a long time coming. It, you know, I I I had so many people hit me up and be like, man, you got to do an episode with Nikki Diamond. And and for the people who listen who may not even know when they hear Nikki Diamond, okay, obviously it has it, it has you know the Diamond Supply Company, but. Take us back for people who are listening that are just understanding who you are, even people who are fans of the brand. Where did Diamond Supply even like what the like what what the fuck is Diamond Supply Co? Like where did that even come from <coughs> as a young as a young Nick? Um Well when I started the brand and thanks for having me by the way. Um when I started the brand it was just uh you know, I started as a skateboard hardware company. That was the whole thing. So I was just, you know, growing up as a skater and uh, being a sponsored skater and riding for all these companies and stuff. I uh, always wanted, like, all my friends, we all had, like, um, all kinds of different skate sponsors, right? Like, people skated for vans. We skated for fucking whatever, you know, shoe companies and all this stuff, but I was like, I want to make a company where me and all my homies could be on the same thing, so all my friends will ride for this company, what could I do? I'll make skateboard hardware, and then everyone can be on the same hardware team. Mm. 
So that's what it was really. And I had like this invention um, of this special bolt that, um, you know, typically uh, skateboard hardware is just a hexagon nut and a screw, right? And then you either have a Phillips head, a flat head, or an Allen key to put the skateboard together um, and a wrench. So my idea was to have the Allen key head on the screw and then on the hex nut, I had this invention where the hex nut actually had like a dome top with an Allen key hole in that too. So if you want to take apart your board, all you'd have to do is use these two little Allen keys instead of like a screwdriver and a wrench or whatever. So I was like coming up with this idea and then, I don't know, man, I was just trying to figure out a name. I had a couple names, and then... But what are some of the names in the beginning? Uh, some whack ones. It was, it's all right. It's always... Listen. Uh, the first one was called... Uh, thank God it was never this, but that it was exactly what it was. It was Dome dome Cap Hardware. So mm. I wasn't thinking brand, right? I'm not thinking clothes. I'm not thinking anything when I'm doing this. All I'm thinking is skate hardware. So that's what it was. And then um, one day I was... Uh, I was just cruising with my boy in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. And it's like a real shitty area in the Tenderloin. If anyone's been to San Francisco, they know, especially back then. It's all like, it's where all like the, you know, crackheads are and pimps and prostitutes on all the corners and shit. And I remember one night we were driving down there. And I was like, it was so weird. And it was like really ironic how the song came on as I'm like looking at this neighborhood and, um, Sade, Smooth Operator, came on the radio, the song, and at the beginning of the song, she's like, she says, Diamond Life, right? And I'm like, looking around, I'm like, yeah, fuck that, I'm gonna live the diamond life, like, I don't wanna, you know, this shit's crazy, like, this ain't the diamond life where we're at down here, and I was like, I'm gonna call the company Diamond, Mm. and that's how I thought of the name, just from that moment, and I was like, damn, so the very next day, I, uh, I, uh, Went to my friend's house and um, he was like, "Push that mic." He went to uh, <coughs> he went to the Academy of Art, so he he was all into graphic design and shit. I didn't really know how to do any graphic design at the time, so I went to his house and I told him my idea, and he just told me to write diamond down. He was like, "Write diamond five times on this piece of paper." And I was like, "Cool." So I hand wrote diamond, and then uh, he scanned it in his computer. And then I was like, man, it looks kind of plain by itself. Let's put something under it. And then I'm just thinking, you know, I'm making skate hardware. So I'm like, put Supply Co. I'm making skate supplies. Let's put Supply Co. under it. And that's the logo that we have now. The original diamond script is my handwriting with Supply Co. And I actually made that the day after I um, thought of the name. So that's how the name came about, Diamond Supply Co. Now, this was almost 20 years ago. It was 20 years ago. Seriously? Yeah. Actually, it was a little over 20 years ago because, well, yeah, it was 20 years ago. So, but what, what did you, <clears throat> what, what did you, ha- like, what was your goal at that time? Like, okay, so you said you're going to call it Diamond. Then you said, you're gonna, okay, what's called Diamond Supply Co.? You know, you're making some hardware and stuff like that. But what was your real goal? And That was it. That was the dream. And I was, was that expensive to even start? no not at all i didn't have any money i had zero so um basically um that was a dream is that i was just going to make skateboard hardware 
and all my friends were going to ride for it, and I was going to have this skateboard company, right? Um, not thinking that it could make money. I mean, obviously I wanted it to make money, but there wasn't, I don't know. I even rode for skate companies back then, and none of them were really making any money, right? Like, the skate industry was super small at the time. So, thing was is that I started making, uh, the first thing I did is my homeboy, um, Skid, that I grew up skating with, he owned a, he owned a um, print shop. So I took my graphics down to him, my logo. I made another graphic, too, which was like a, a schematics of a diamond and then a drawing of the new bolt, but like a schematic, like a, you know, like a tech drawing of it. So I made those, but the first thing I printed was the Diamond OG shirt. He printed it for me, and then uh, that, and then I got some hats made. Um, just embroidered on some blank hats and he printed sweatshirts for me and I started selling them to FTC skate shop in San Francisco and I started giving all the shirts to all my friends that were pro skaters and then from there they were like right away some skate videos came out with my homies wearing them that were like popular skaters at the time and people just started asking about it and then my first um, I was selling to um, FTC and I think after FTC, my second store that I sold to was Supreme in New York. So I Wait, yeah. so how the fuck did you get into Supreme? Because I knew all of them. Yeah. Yeah, because I used to hang out with all the so OG does... Supreme dudes. Before Supreme was even Supreme, before Supreme existed, I was always coming down here and they were coming up to um, San Francisco, Harold Hunter and... Justin Pierce and Jeff Pang and me and Jeff Pang actually ended up being roommates in San Francisco for a while around the time that Supreme first started in 94. Um, so Supreme was uh, the second store and then I got distribution in Japan through um, FTC um, skate shop. He knew some dudes in Japan. So really I started, I only sold to those two stores and I think this other skate shop back then in Oakland. But other than that, that was it. And then I had this distributor in Japan. And I was just literally my whole, um, my whole, uh, fucking, um, apartment was just boxes of t shirts and stuff, right? And I still didn't have these bolts. All I was selling was t shirts at the time because I couldn't get my special bolt made. It just wasn't, um, working so I ended up um, making them I put out one run of those bolts but then people weren't that hyped on them but the t-shirts were doing so good everyone loved the logo and I kept like designing t-shirts my friend kind of showed me how to start designing on the computer so so I uh, basically just self-taught myself how to design t-shirt graphics and I just kept making t-shirt graphics, and everyone was loving them, like, luckily. And I started just making regular skateboard bolts like everyone else had. Yeah, I had to put out something, right? So I was like, fuck, I'm just going to make the regular bolts. Like, I could have did from the beginning. But um, that's how it all started, man. So that's what I was doing, and then I uh, was doing it for two years by myself in my apartment. Um and then uh, my boy, Mike Carroll, in L.A. hit me up. He owns Girl Skateboards. 
and he was like, we want to distribute Diamond. Would you come to L.A.? And I was like, fuck yeah. I, like, literally packed up my entire apartment that night and called a U-Haul and moved to L.A. the very next day. <laughs> Left my girlfriend and everything. Really? Yeah. Why'd that. you leave it? You don't want to bring her? She ended up coming later. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and that didn't work out or anything, but she, uh, I moved her out there after, but yeah, I like broke out and I was like, fuck that. I'm going to LA. I got distribution. I'm going to fucking blow up. Right. Like this is going to be like a real skate brand now. Cause you know, doing out of my apartment, I was like, whatever. So now you got distribution, you head to LA and, and you're super excited. You're like, go fuck this. Right. Yeah. What happens the next day? Because mind you, you said you jump into U-Haul. What, what transpires the next day? Um, the next day, I show up in L.A. I got there at night. Um, I left in the morning. I got there at night. Went to my boy's house. He's like, you could stay here um, while you look for an apartment. And I was like, cool. So I lived there with uh, my friend Mike Carroll, um, Chico Brenes, and then um, Tony Ferguson. Um who was a pro skater at the time, and now he does a brand. He's in, a, I don't know if you heard of it, it's a sneaker brand called Roan, mm. R-O-N-E. He makes, like, high-end sneakers now. But um, he used to uh, he used to own A-Life um, shoes, actually. He was yeah. the one doing all the A-Life shoes, but way after we were roommates, yeah. So, um, like, years later, obviously. But um, that's it. I moved in there, and then I went to the office the next day, and they were like, you know... They weren't really, like, giving me an office space or anything. I was just kind of there, like, I didn't really know how to run a company. I was just learning my, I mean, you know, I was designing graphics for a couple years on my own, but I was, you know, really green. I didn't really know how to do shit. I just really learned there. That's what it was. Um, You didn't have no employees or? Nothing. It was just me. So, basically, their deal, it wasn't, like, what I was expecting because, they didn't really, like, give me any type of, like, distribution deal is what you would call it, I guess. What they did is I went there and they would sell it. That was their whole thing is that they were selling it through their sales reps to all their accounts, right? I didn't have all these stores. They had, like, this huge account base because they're one of the biggest skateboard companies in the world at the time, Girl and Chocolate Skateboards. So that's what I got out of it. But funding, I still had to fund it myself. So that was the problem. Diamond, luckily, was something that I never had to, like, build up into something that people wanted from the very first time I made T-shirts, which was a trip, especially back then, is that people were asking for them right away. So that's where I lucked out. So even when I was there, all the stores already saw, like I said earlier, about how all my friends were wearing the shit in skateboard magazines and all that. But it was really hard for anyone to get because I was, you know, selling them out of my uh, apartment. And I didn't have any, like, a lot of skate stores that I sold to. So when I went there, they sold it to all the skate stores, but then I couldn't produce the product because I didn't have the money. So everything was always sold out. Right, so I'd make a T-shirt line. People liked it. Shops would order it, but then I didn't have money to make more. So months would go by where there'd be no product. But then, <clears throat> all I knew at the time was skateboarding. 
right? Make hardware, make fucking skateboards, make, you know, sell t-shirts and hats. I didn't even know. I knew about, like, some streetwear stuff, but not really. Streetwear wasn't really a thing back then, but there were brands. You know what I mean? There was, like, um, who was around back then? Like, Extra Large, I would... I would think like, you know, extra large and fresh jive and things like that were like brands that weren't skate. It was like the only thing you would see people wearing that weren't actual skate brands, but they were like t-shirt brands. I didn't really know much about them, but when I was at Girl, two of the artists that they had there had their own brands. One was called A Quiet Life, The Quiet Life, and another one was called Commonwealth Stacks by this guy named Mike Leone and uh, Andy Mueller did the quiet life and I used to trip because this was before any like social media days this is in 2000 so 18 years ago in 2000 is when I actually went to LA and um, started working with these guys and they had these brands and I asked them where do you sell this stuff and they're like I sell it online I'm like what do you mean you sell it online like who do you sell it to they're like just people. I send out like an email thing with my graphics and people buy it online. I'm like, that's a fucking trip. Right? And I'm like, how much you sell your t-shirts for? And they're like, $30. I'm like, damn, people buy t-shirts for $30? That's insane. Our t-shirts at the time, regular skate shirts were like, you know, 20 bucks or something. That was just the norm. And that was the first time I was introduced to anything outside of skate that was clothing related. And I was like, Man, the stuff I'm making, I feel like it appeals to skaters, but it seems that it's appealing to people outside of skateboarding, but I wouldn't know what to do or how to reach them. Um, But these guys have this weird thing going on where they're selling, like, mail order to customers that just like art shirts, because that's what they were really making were art shirts, but essentially this was streetwear they were making, right? Um... (coughs) So, six years at Girl Skateboards, I was there flipping t-shirts, basically, with no money. Um, But this is how Diamond started becoming so popular, um, was because I didn't have money to make stuff, and everyone just thought the shit was limited, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it was really hard to get. It was in all the magazines. All the best skate pros were wearing it. Um, And then... uh, I made a shirt. Fuck, see, my years might get messed up because I don't really remember it's it all so good. long ago. It's all good. But I made a shirt with a Misfit Skull on it mm. with uh, my boy Rick from New York, one of the old Supreme heads. Um, do you know Rick? Rick uh, Riach? I heard of him. Don't know him. Okay, so he's one of the OG Supreme kids that I knew before, you know, before Supreme was even a shot, but he ended up being, you know, he's part of that crew. He uh, was starting some little brand that he was calling, uh, uh, it was called Collabo. So Collabo NY. And Duh. so we made a, um, we made the Misfits shirt with the gold tooth together on that. And this is before people were doing collaborations or whatever. So we made that shirt and uh, Lil Wayne wore it on I don't even know how he got it, but Little Wayne was wearing it on the cover of Rides magazine. And then he had a full article, him and Baby, inside the um, magazine was just him rocking the shirt. And people were tripping on that. And that was, like, my first, like, 
celebrity person or whatever wearing diamond i was tripping on that right <laughs> like Lil wayne that's so tight because this is like you know the early 2000s when he was just like super popping and then um so diamond was becoming really popular just from that and streetwear wasn't even a thing back then really like not the current state of streetwear so um what happened was that I was there for six years. Well, at this point, it was five years. And I was approached by my boy, Sam, who was a team manager at Girl um, that I worked in the building with. And he's like, hey, man, Nike wants us to do a shoe, a girl skateboard shoe. Um, Can you help me with some colorways? And I was like, yeah, that sounds tight. I'll help you with some colorways, whatever. Not really thinking anything of it. And then he's like, yeah, I don't think Rick and Mike, the other owners of the company, I don't think they're going to be psyched on doing a Nike because, you know, at this time in skateboarding, this is when Nike was first coming into skateboarding. And that's when all the skate shoe companies were around and everybody knew, like, as soon as Nike comes in, they're going to put everybody out of business, right? So people were hating on Nike, like, hard in the skate world. Like, everyone's like, oh, you know, that's crazy, whatever. And I was like... Well, if girl doesn't do it, see if I can make a diamond one because the team manager of Nike SB at the time was my friend Hunter that I met because he was a fan of diamond. He was like one of those guys I would send him stuff. He was always stoked on the diamond t-shirts just like all these other people were at the time. So I was like, let's make a colorway and just send it to him. And at the time, the whole Nike SB skate team also rode for Diamond Hardware. I sponsored the whole team. Mm. So, but how did you even get to do that? Like, how did did you know someone at Nike? Did they reach out to you? Or? I, I knew all the guys, so I knew all the skaters already. They're just people that I grew up skating with, and they just ended up when Nike put their skate program together. It was like Danny Supa, Gino Iannucci, um, mm. bunch of people. There was like a lot of people. And Danny Supa, it's funny because he had his own colorway of a Nike, and he was one of the original Nike SB. Yeah, the riders. orange. He uh, works at my store now. Really? Over here in Lafayette. Yeah. He works there. That's a homie. Um, but uh, that's what happened is that I I was like, man, my friend Sam, he, he made a colorway, and it was Gucci colored way. So he, he did a Gucci colorway dunk. It was red, black. It was black denim with a red swoosh and green. We kind of came up with it together. He had the concept of it. Of the colors, but we kind of like went over where the colors were going to go. And just previously, I made a t-shirt of my Diamond OG script t-shirt. And it had uh, the Tiffany colorway logo. Because, you know, I got my girlfriend at the time something from Tiffany. And it had that box, right? Like that aqua box. And I was like, oh, that's a sick color. I've never seen anybody use this on a t-shirt or anything before. I was like, I've never, like, that's so weird. I've never seen any apparel with this. So I made the t-shirt and everybody loved it, right? They were like, damn, that t-shirt's fucking tight. So when we're in his office designing the shoes, I was like, yo, I want to make a t- I want to make a shoe the same color as this t-shirt. And then let's just send it to Nike and see what they say, right? And they weren't even asking for a diamond collab. They wanted a girl skateboards collab. So we sent both. We sent the Gucci colorway and the um, Tiffany colorway to Nike, and 
they hit us back like the next day like oh my god that shoe looks crazy we want to make the diamond one and i was like hell yeah can i throw a can i throw my diamond logo up on the um tongue and they were like yeah like hell yeah so that's how the nike dunk happened they sent me a first sample and uh it was just a black new buck with the tiffany leather and a gray swoosh and i was like this isn't it like this is cool and all but this shit has to look like jewelry store cool right like so i sent them back an email and i made all these changes and i said make the black part crocodile make the swoosh um shiny silver like platinum and that was basically it those were the changes but it made such a difference in this the, they were like that sounds tight so when they sent back the next sample um it was crazy man because i was always a sneakerhead, right i was always like i skateboarded but i was always into sneakers that was my thing so it was like a dream, right? And I was like, I know how to design a fucking sick sneaker that I think people will like. And when it came back, I literally laughed. I, I couldn't stop laughing because I knew right when I looked at it that it was ill. Like it came out so perfect, like exactly what I imagined. So I was like, damn, that's crazy. The shoe looks insane. So that same day, um, it's before any social media shit. The only thing sure. was MySpace, right? So I got the sample and I was like, I wonder if they're going to trip if I, like, post a picture of it on my MySpace. But I don't care. Whatever. Like, who goes to MySpace? It's, like, a big thing, but not really. So I uh, had the guy from The Quiet Life, Andy Mueller, take a photo of me holding the shoe. And I posted it on my MySpace. But, you know, just sharing it with my my friends on MySpace, not even tripping. And... uh it's crazy because this is like, there was some sneaker hype, you know, around like Jordans and shit and things like that um, in the past, of course. And Nike SB was just really starting to be something. You know, Jeff Staple already dropped his pigeon dunk that people were, you know, excited about and things like that. But uh, when I left, my boy Arson had, Arson and Vlad, they had a sneaker store called Kendo and they made, they sold women's sneakers but I was such a sneakerhead at the time that I would always go there and buy the women's sneakers in my sizes. So anytime they get new releases, I'd go there and I'd buy Air Force Ones. I was really into at the time. I'd buy Air Force Ones, but the women's colorways, but in my like a, a 12 or whatever, sure. so they'd fit me. Um, just because they had the store, so I'd get them for like cheap, you know what I'm saying? Because they were homies. But uh, I went there and they're like, yo, what's up with that shoe? I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, it's all over the internet. And I'm like, oh, you seen it on my MySpace? They're like, nah, I seen it on fucking Nike Talk. I seen it on Soul Collective. You got to check this out. I'm like, I never even been to those websites before then, right? I'm like, I didn't even know what that was really. Like I was into sneakers, but I wasn't like all about sure, the internet sure. like that. And he shows me and there's like 200 pages of people talking about my picture holding the shoe, right? And they're like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I'd never seen people this crazy over a shoe. And I was like, damn, what a trip. Like, I didn't know how to, like, take it in. It was all new to me. But, yeah, that's how the hype of the Diamond Dunk started 
Was Nike mad at you that you put it on MySpace? No, and it was almost a year before it came out, almost. Well, it was like eight or nine months before feel, it even came out. I feel like, you know, that's something that it's... I'm, I'm glad they weren't, because I feel like that's something that, you know, they they like to release things the way they like to yeah, release things. Yeah, for sure. Now, you know, so you get the shoe back. It's on MySpace. It's on Nike Talk. It's on Soul Collector. <coughs> and... Did did you did you make a make a deal with them? Like was Nike like the collab? Was that something like that you were getting paid for or something? Nah. So just getting like free sneakers. Yeah, I never got paid from Nike ever. Nothing. Yeah, isn't that really crazy? That. I mean, no disrespect to them, but isn't that crazy? Yeah, they don't do that. But, but I'm saying, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Because let me tell you something. The reason why I say it's crazy for is this: Nike has made a living on paying performers, athletes. Yeah, and I love and I love what Kanye said about. He performs every night, or he performs. Nikki Nikki Diamonds, Diamond Supply, they perform too. Just because they're not an athlete doesn't mean anything. Look, I, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen people come and actually to sign the Tiffany Dunk, wherever you go. Yeah, you know it's a phenomenon. Yeah, and you know you deserve. I, I, look, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you were able to get that later on. You know, and we'll get to it. What you're doing with Puma and. And um, who else did you do? Um, We've done Asics. Asics. Puma. Um, I think that's it. Wait, who else have I done shoes with? I think that's it. Puma and Asics and Nike. Yeah. But, you know, when you when, when you think about <coughs> it, you get the shoe back. You post be a year before it's about to drop. And, you know, w- were you even online yet? Like, did you even have, like... No. Uh, employees? No. Like, wait, bring us no. in. <laughs> I didn't have any employees myself. This is when I was still at Girl. So this all went down, right? And then uh, the hype was, like, insane. Like, it was, like, the craziest thing ever, I guess, at the time. Everyone was tripping. I didn't know much about this stuff, but everyone was like, yo, this is crazy, right? Everyone's asking about it. Everyone wants it. Um instant like sneaker celebrity right because of my picture holding the shoe like i'd come to new york even before the shoe came out right like i'd come to new york and kids were just stopping me on the street and asking me for my autograph and all this shit (laughs) and the shoe hasn't even dropped yet i'm like whoa this is crazy right like these aren't even skaters these are like sneakerhead dudes right um so uh yeah that's what really propelled diamond like, we were already, like I said, I was selling all these shirts, and they're selling out, and people, rappers are wearing them already, all this shit. So it all just happened, like, right at the right time. Because at that point, it propelled Diamond to this thing that nobody knew about, and all of a sudden, there's this brand that has this crazy Nike sneaker that's not out yet, and then my T-shirt sales just started going even more, well, the demand, because I still couldn't make them. I still didn't have the money, but the demand was even getting crazier. Like, everyone was calling the distribution asking for the shirts like everyone wanted diamond and um it was wild man it was a wild time so with that after the shoe came out um you know uh by that time there was like thousands of literally thousands of pages on nike talk and Soul Collector just talking about the shoe, right? And the shoe release and when's it coming? And this was like the hottest thing at the time. Didn't I can tell you how trip. many pairs they were going to make? Um, 5,000. Wow. That's, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. No? So they made 5,000 shoes. Um, the crazy part is, I don't know who it was. Is it, 
I remember there's someone at Nike. Maybe it was like Tinker Hatfield or one of the big guys at Nike. My friend that worked at Nike's like, man, it's crazy. Like, this shit. The, there was a marketing meeting. He's like, we had a marketing meeting at um, Nike, and we have this big auditorium, and they had like everybody from SB and Jordan and all these people in this big auditorium. And they're like, the whole backdrop of the whole discussion about marketing was a picture of you holding the shoe. <laughs> and I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> that's how much the picture blew up, right? That even the people at Nike had the, for their whole, like, marketing meeting, they had me chilling. It's pretty funny. So, so when they dropped the sneaker, where were you? How, did they get you involved in it? Or? Yeah, I fully got involved. I, um, I already knew, because um, like I said, I was into sneakers and I was friends with Eddie Cruz from Undefeated. Just from going. How is Eddie doing, man? Eddie's great. I know he was dealing with a lot of, uh, wasn't he dealing with, uh, he was sick for a while. Yeah, I don't really talk to him that often. Well, when I see him, it's all love, but I don't really know, like, about all that type of stuff about him. But I love Eddie. He's, like, always been, he's always had my back, like, no matter what. Like, even back in the day, I used to give him diamond shirts. He just loved diamond for some reason. I'd see him, he's like... And this is when it was a skate brand, even before the shoe came out. And he'd always be like, man, let me get some of those diamond shirts. Those are tight. I'd be like, thanks, man. Because I'd always go there buying sneakers sure, and stuff, sure. you know. Um, so good. So good so and good. he was like the Supreme LA guy. Mm-hmm. So um, we sold diamond at Supreme <coughs> in LA at the time, too. So when the sneaker came out, um, they dropped it at Supreme. And that was a big deal. I made um, matching diamond OG t-shirts a tiffany colored shirt a black shirt and a white shirt all you know to go with the shoes and there was a crazy line for it at supreme and they sold out of all the shirts so they were all stoked on that and then i kind of teamed up with undefeated and i did a collaboration t-shirt with undefeated for the release and this is in 2005 um how much was the box price on uh was it 85 it was a low top. Or, yeah, 65 or 85, something like that. But when they dropped, everyone was selling them for 150 Even though the box price said like 65 or something. Yeah. But uh, nope. I did a collabo with um, Brooklyn Projects, mm. um, with Dom at Brooklyn Projects, and I did a collaboration at for Undefeated. So I went to all those sneaker releases, and I filmed the whole thing. I still have all the footage. So um, we did all that, and there was crazy lines, man. It was insane. And then, you know, I was, like, looking at the internet. This stuff was all new to me. I was, like, tripping off the whole sneaker culture. Even though I was a sneakerhead, I wasn't, like, waiting in line. But I've been collecting Jordans since, sure, sure. you know, the very early 90s. Um, I was always into sneakers, skateboarding and sneakers. That was, like, my thing. But, um, yeah, so all these crazy lines. I was, like, people were sending me, like, during the release time in Singapore. There was, like, riots breaking out. Like, people fighting, like, crazy shit for these shoes. And I was like, this is insane, right? Um, so, Undefeated had this huge line. We we made, like, 250 t-shirts. Those sold out there. Um, that was just the beginning of Diamond, really. Like, Diamond as what it became was based off of this hype from the sneaker. So... I mean, thank you, Nike. Yes, I never got paid for that stuff, but that's the thing, right? Nike knows, like, you do a collaboration with Nike, like, that's the biggest sneaker company in the world. Like, sure. that's huge. Sure. Like, well, I, I don't care pro- that I didn't make any money off it. It gave me the world, right? 
It, it helped propel you, for sure. Yeah. It helped propel. Let me ask you, they never had a problem with Tiffany for the color? Like, yeah, for sure. So I got a cease and desist from them. Um, they sent me, they tried to sue me and all this stuff, but I, like, matched the colors up, and, you know, the colors were different. So that's our diamond blue. So mm. I'm like, you can't trademark the color, which they did. They call it, like, I don't even remember, something like swallow egg or something like that. Some <laughs> weird Some weird egg. swatch. Yeah, whatever. But, yeah, so they sent me a letter um, because a lot of people that didn't know what Diamond was, um, they said that everyone was going to the Tiffany store and asking when their Nike was coming out. Mm. Right? <laughs> yeah, so everyone was asking when their Nike was coming out, but they'd be like, what Nike, right? But it was the diamond one. The sick part is that um, before they came out is that uh, Mark Jacobs saw them somehow. So he requested, I think it was Brian Anderson, the skater, who skated for me. Maybe he knew him. I think that's what it was. He knew Mark Jacobs, and Mark Jacobs loved him. So I um, ended up sending him some pairs. And then at the Mark Jacobs store in um, L.A., he had the mannequins wearing my shoes with his Marc Jacobs gear. It was pretty tight. Really? I was like, damn, that's big. <laughs> <laughs> well, all, 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 from, all from that one <coughs> low-top Tiffany Dunk or yeah. Diamond collab. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's, so listen, you know what? On that note, let's take a quick break. We're sitting here with the one and only Nikki Diamond um, going through the journey of Diamond Supply Co., how it started. Uh, we need to find out about you employees. You need some fucking employees in, uh, in in this company. But actually, before we even go to break, what's the most amount of employees you have had with Diamond Supply? Um, at one point, I had 150. God damn. And it just started with one person. Mm-hmm. Internet, don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Cheer. Hey, guys. It's Ronnie Feig. You're over here checking out my man, Premium Pete on the Premium Pete Show. And we're back sitting here with my friend, my guy, Nikki Diamonds. Listen, man, the journey is crazy because, you know, shouts to Nike and shouts to even even being in a situation where you were able to shine, you know what I mean, and get a chance and an opportunity to create a sneaker. Because when you really think about it, the Tiffany Dunk, the Tiffany Nike SB Dunk helped propel your brand to the next level. For sure, 100%. So, so, so the sneaker comes out, you know, uh, it, it's a hit. It's a phenomenon. You sold tons of T-shirts. Um, what now? What about, like, is the brand really production-wise? Like, is it really, you know, uh, capable of doing this? You know, is, is, who's thinking of seasons? Who's thinking of collections? This wasn't really going on at the time. Yeah. <coughs> it was just me. I was the only designer. I was only designer forever. Um, for 10 years, I was the only designer. So, you know, I'd get a little couple of homies would throw in little t-shirt ideas, and I made a couple of those, but for the most part, it was just me. At this time, it was just me, because I was still a girl. Um, but yeah, that's how the whole release went down. It was just like this big phenomenon. Um, you know, all the magazines wrote about it. I was all over the place. You know, so me, like, not knowing about... Um, 
that part of the culture, like the internet kid, which was, you know, early internet days. The only place people would talk to each other was on sure, forums. forums. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there was no Instagrams or any of these type of things. Twitters, nothing like that existed. So the only place where the community would um, talk and people knew each other, you know, we all knew, each, everyone knew each other from their, like, you know, their screen names or whatever, like their their forum name. Um no one, no one, no one through, um, like nobody was trying to invest in you, like any, uh, you know, put money into Diamond Supply or <laughs> anything, no? Not at all, man. Like, you know, because you, you know, I mean, you're in L.A., you're, you're somewhat at that time, I guess, a mover and shaker. Um, you, the buzz is starting to create, you know, um, nobody with money was willing to be like, hey, uh. Nah. Well, like, even today... You know, th- this was all new back then, right? Like, people didn't think, like, skateboarding and streetwear was a thing. Sure, that mixed, yeah. You know, like, big brands back then were like, I don't know, like, what, like, Sean John or something? Like, Urban. Mm-hmm. Urban was popular. Um, streetwear was kind of like a new thing. Um, after the shoe came out, that's when I really, like, started doing something different, you know? But even... um what I was doing very early on, which nobody else was doing, was talking to the kids, mm. even on MySpace days. By the time I posted the shoe, I was already, because I had an office there and I would design at Girl, but I would, like, engulf myself in this whole, like, internet thing before anyone was doing it. Like, I was actually talking to people on my MySpace, just kids that were fans of the brand, like skaters. Um, so then I, since I was already used to doing that, kind of like getting this fan base from people that I didn't know, <laughs> you know, like kids, customers, I didn't even know who they were only from their picture on, um, you know, the internet, which was a new thing, right? This is when people just first started really talking to other people on the internet and what what did they want to know like just everything about diamond when i'm dropping new shit where they could buy it at blah 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 just like that so same thing when the when the um that's how the picture ended up on the, these forums so i ended up meeting bobby hundreds and he made a big change for me too um which helped diamond was that he introduced me to hype beast Mm. forums he was like i'm a fan of diamond like when i met him he already owned the dunks and shit and he was you know a fan of my brand and he just started the hundreds and um i met him because i actually bought a hundreds t-shirt he made this t-shirt i didn't know who they were i went to brooklyn projects and um there was a shirt and it said uh fuck what did it say it said like hip-hop it said hip-hop is dead on the front and then on the back, it just had a bunch of dead rappers like Easy e and Tupac and all these people on the back of the shirt. And I was like, that's a pretty sick shirt. So I bought that, and that's how I heard of the hundreds. But then um, I met him, and he was like, you know what? You should go on the Hype Beast. On Hype Beast, they have a forum, and you should just like go on there because I know there's some Diamond fans on there. And I was like, oh, for real? So I went on there, and that, again, was a turning point for Diamond because... All these kids that weren't skaters necessarily, they were just sneakerheads. Because I had the skate community just from like, you know, all my 
pro skaters and stuff were the ones these kids were looking up to. So I already had like the skate shit on lock. And then since I was into sneakers and I was into like cool art and I was making art and that's what all these kids on this Hypebeast forum were into. And this is when Hypebeast was very brand new. Like this is 2005, 2006 actually, I believe. Um, I started posting all my new product on the forums. And I built a relationship with all the kids on the forum. And I had a thread on there because, you know, there would be all the forum threads. So I had the official Diamond Supply Co. thread. And this is where I got all my sales. So now I'm talking to all these kids, showing product. Um, All my upcoming releases I'm showing to these guys in this dude from a skate shop that I know in San Jose is like, hey man, you should let me sell your shit online for you. Like, you need to just start selling the stuff online. And I'm like, alright. Like, you know, I never really heard about people selling shit online like that. Like, I never bought stuff online. So, he did it and he was like ordering hella shit for me all the time. I'd post it on uh, on the Hypebeast forums and he'd be like, I need more shit, it sold out. I'm like, that's crazy. I just posted shit on the Hypebeast forums and you're selling out of all this stuff? And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, it's crazy. And um, so then I was like, I need to start my own store, right? <laughs> so that was the next move. So I started my own online store. I was like, fuck, I'm going to make my own online store and sell this stuff. And uh, I'm talking to the kids, man. I'm really like building relationships with all these kids. Um And I'm like, I'm going to open up a diamond store, right? So I opened up the diamond store in L.A. First, it was going to be a hat store. I found the space. First, I was just going to open a store, period. Um, A hat store. This is how this went down is I was going to open a hat store um, with these guys in Hawaii. They were called Fitted Hawaii, and they just sold hats. And I was like, man, that's a fucking good idea. I'm going to just sell hats. There's a store on Fairfax. There was no stores on Fairfax at all. The Hundreds had an office there, but no store. And then Supreme was there, and that was it. And um, I was like, there's a store space. It's hella cheap. And I was like, I'll, like, I'll just open this hat store with my homies from Fitted. It'll be tight, and people will come here to get all their Fitted hats at our hat store. And then it was just random as hell that... Um, Greg from uh, Situation Normal and Arson, my friends, I was talking to them and I told them my idea and they're like, we're opening a hat store. And I was Mm. like, what do you mean? They're like, we have the same idea as you. We're going to call it Hall of Fame. And it's we're looking at a spot on Fairfax too. I'm like, that's crazy. So then I'm like, well, maybe we should do it together, right? So then we were talking about doing it together. But then, I don't know, man, it just wasn't going to work out. So... That's how I opened the diamond store because I already had the space. And I was like, I'm just going to let them open the hat store. They could open the hat store and I'm just going to open a diamond store and just sell my t-shirts and shit. And that would be it. Right. I didn't think it was going to be that crazy. Um, And I was already talking to the kids on Hypebeast. Right. So um, what I did from there is when I opened the store... I didn't know what to expect, and there was fucking hundreds of kids outside. Like, the craziest line. And I was like, this is insane. But these are all kids from the Hypebeast Forum. So, 
diamond lifers. That's what I would call them. I'd be like, I made up this thing, like the diamond lifers, and they were all fully diamond life. And there's like hundreds of kids just diamond out and all the T-shirts and hats and all the shit that I was dropping. So that was an exciting time, man. But it all, it all really started because of this damn amazing opportunity I had to make a shoe with Nike. You know, okay, so, so, you know, Bobby Hundreds gives you an idea to go, you know, on Hypebeast forums. You know, you're on my, my space, you're on, um, you know, the other forums like Soul Collector (coughs) and started going on Soul Collector and all that too. So you're there, you're making moves, you got t-shirts, you got the sneaker under your belt. Um, but honestly, what did you really know about this business? Nothing. How, let's fast forward for a second. How, I mean, little places you learned and people helped out and looked out and gave you, but how did you eventually get to where you are today? And what I mean by that is, did you, you know, yeah, there was a very defining moment in Mm. my, in, in, in the history of Diamond where things fully took a turn. And it was that after the shoe released and so let's go backwards because I skipped a big part of the story is that when I was under the girl skateboards distribution, they were selling all their t-shirts for, you know, skateboard shop prices. And I felt like me talking to all these kids that the other brands that were out there that were like streetwear brands, their t-shirts were more expensive. Like everyone was selling like $30 t-shirts. So I was that girl, and I was like, hey, I want to sell my shirts for $30. They're like, no way, no one's going to buy them for $30. You're insane. <clears throat> and I just had, like, this other vision, right? I was like, I want Diamond to be more than just this. I want it to be more than just only for skaters because I'm not just a skater. I'm into this shit, too. So why don't I make stuff for kids that are into sneakers and all this stuff, other things that I'm into? I'm not just solely all about only skateboarding like I actually am into fashion and clothes and sure all this cool shit so and that's what my fans like so I ended up leaving girl um was it hard to get out of that or no because we didn't have anything in writing it wasn't like a it was just like a homey little deal but I was like I'm gonna sell $30 t-shirts that's what I'm gonna do right and they're like go have fun selling $30 t-shirts did they think you were crazy kind of are you still cool with them today? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Fully. 100%. Is it, Super cool. It's amazing that you were able to do that and more than sell $30 t-shirts. Yeah. So what happened was um, there was another guy there that I was friends with, and he wanted to leave Girl too. So he's like, let's start a distribution company together. And I was like, cool, let's do it, right? Diamond's fucking cracking at all the skate shops. I can't supply the product so i need to do something because i'm never going to make money here especially because they're making me sell the shirts for you know 22 dollars and i can't afford to make more shirts so i need to figure something out let's just try to do our own thing try doing it with him start doing it with this guy open the diamond store and you know, I get the crazy line. I start selling $30 t-shirts and they start selling out like crazy at $30. And I'm like, wow. So that's all it took, right? Just raise the price and people are even wanting them more because, you know, it, it, it's a perceived value. 
that's with anything, right? That's why all these kids, like, these days, they're all into, like, Louis Vuitton and whatever other brands. It's because it's more expensive, so it has, like, a more perceived value. Sure, so, exclusive or... Yeah, so same thing. When I raised the price of diamond shirts, it even made it more popular, right? People were like, oh, now I got on my 30... Even the skaters, right? They're like, oh, I got a diamond shirt. It's $30, you know, the other skate brand shirts are $22. So all the skate shops we were selling to at first, they're like, we can't sell a $30 t-shirt. But as soon as we raise the prices, they're like, this is incredible. Like, we can't keep a single t-shirt in stock at $30. So they were loving me for that because, you know, they're making more money on sure. it now. Um, <clears throat> it didn't work out with me and the guy. Um that I was doing the distribution company with and he ended up owing a bunch of money to these t-shirt printers. He just wasn't a good business person. I don't know what was going on, but at that point I was like, I just need to do this shit on my own. What am I going to do? Right. I didn't know what I was going to do because I didn't have any money. Um, he put me in debt with all these t-shirt printers so I went to this T-shirt printer that my friends from DVS Shoes hooked me up with, um, which is the other shoe company that I've done collabs with back in the day. It was DVS Skate Shoes, and I've done um, Lakai. Okay, Lakai, yeah. Lakai Skate Shoes. And Never know Vans, DVS. right? Never done Vans. I'm surprised. I know. I want to. I mean, it makes sense, right? I love Vans. Yeah. yeah. I wear Vans. I just never really talked to anybody there about that. But, um... Maybe that can happen in the future. But um, what happened was I still was not making money, right? Like, yeah, I'm selling out of stuff, but minimal amount of stuff. I had this Nike shoe that was all hype, and I didn't have money to fund making new product to take the company to any other level than it was already at, which was small. So even though people like... I was always selling to the big stores like Zoomies and shit, but in small quantities too. They would put in big orders, but I couldn't fulfill them. There was no way. I couldn't pay for the stuff to get made to even, you know, ship them full shipment. So I went to this printer, and this was like the turning point in Diamond, like 100% turning point, is that I'm the small brand with all this hype, and all these stores wanted it, so... And I owed all these t-shirt printers um, money from my previous partner. So I went to this one t-shirt printer. And I was like, hey, man, do you think if you print all my t-shirts for me, I'll give you the orders. You print all the t-shirts for me. You can collect the money and then just pay me the difference. And he's like, fuck yeah, I'll do that. And I was like, great. I don't know why I never thought of this before. So as soon as I did that, literally Diamond like went crazy. That's when it blew up. It like this was and this <clears throat> was a long time after. This was like two thousand and eleven or something now. So um that's what happened. We went from like it was crazy. It it like happened so fast too. As soon as I could supply the demand. And that's probably the problems with a lot of people out here that can't like supply the demand. I mean nowadays it's kinda easier. There's more resources for people to get T shirts made, but back then it was like night and day. <clears throat> I was making like $4 million a year in sales. And as soon as I um, went to this t-shirt printer and he did this for me, 
um, we were supplying the demand. So now all the stores were op- or that we sold to were ordering massive amounts of diamond shirts, and we were actually delivering the product. We went from four million to fifteen million to fi- from fifteen to fifty million what the to fuck? like almost a hundred million in three years, just what? like that. Only because I could just supply the demand. And and are you still with the same guy today? We just stopped kind of using him. That's a long run, though. Yeah, he'd made our t-shirts for a long time, but he's not really part of it. the same guys. Like he's doing other shit now. Um, I just you know nowadays I'm just working with different printers that I get the shit for cheaper and whatever, like better quality. Not better quality, but I mean t-shirts are pretty much you can get dope t-shirts from anyone these days, but. That's how Diamond really took off to that level that, you know, people saw Diamond like 2013, 14 when we were like everywhere and the Diamond hype was at the extreme was because all of a sudden I was able to fulfill the demand. You know, here's the big question. And why, why when Diamond was at its height... You know, you're talking about what's the what's the biggest height? Was it hundred million dollars? Uh, almost hundred fifty. Almost under a hundred, but right there, right there. 100. You never thought of selling it. Nobody's ever reached out and said, "Could we buy it?" Nah, not really, man. There was one time that, um, yeah, around that time when we're at our very peak, I had some meetings with some people. I actually came to New York and met with some people. Um, I had, like, eight meetings, actually. All these companies, they were trying to buy it, but no one wanted to, like, offer me anything good. Sure. It's like they wanted, you know, something for nothing. So, at the time, I was like, I got a couple offers, and I was like, no way. They were nothing like money that I wouldn't just make myself continuing to do the brand. So, why am I going to give it to someone else? For other people, they would probably be like, maybe they would have sold it just to be out, but... This is something that I do and I design and I love. So why would I want to just like get rid of it? Like this is what I do. Now do you. That's why I never sold back then. In 2018 today, uh, 20 years in Diamond Supply Co., do you own the biggest percentage of it? Yeah. Yeah. I never got any investors or nothing. So 100%? No. When I first started, like I said, when my friend um, took me to Girl Skateboards, um, my brother already, um, I gave him a percentage, um, 10%. I gave my dad 5%, you know, just in case it was, what, what was I to know when I was first starting it? I was like, yeah, I'll give them percentage just in case <laughs> it becomes a real company someday. Maybe they'll make some money. Right. And then when I went to, uh, girl skateboards, I gave Mike, my friend and, uh, his, partner rick um both 10 percent each to take it on at the distribution so i'm still a 65 percent owner mm-hmm. which is a big part and you have stores in la la and new in york, new york. Mm-hmm. and now now when did you open up new york three years ago and and was that something you wanted to do for a long time yeah i always wanted a store in new york especially where it's at right there in soho because you know when i was a kid i was always in this area as a skater like before diamond um Back in the, you know, early 90s, I would come here and we'd always be in Lower East Side and Soho. That's like the only, I never even like knew anywhere else in New York forever. I only knew 
Lower East Side, Soho. and Soho. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And all the skaters that I used to hang out with, they wouldn't go anywhere except for Lower East Side and Soho. Like it didn't exist to them. They're like, hell no, we don't go that way. We don't go that way. We're only right here. Like this is it. Mm-hmm. And that's where we would chill. Mm-hmm. And we used to stay right over there at Off Soho Suites all the time. So, so you, so you, the brand, the brand is moving. You know, you got the um, store in L.A., store in New York. I mean, you know. You're at a point where, you know, you're doing this for a long time. But what about, like, I remember a point in time where there, there was tons of collabs, yeah. ton, tons of uh, artist collabs, uh, um, shirts done with um, um, currency, mm-hmm. shirts done with um, um, Bun B, shirts yeah. done with, um, who else? I mean, there's Wiz tons. Khalifa. Wiz Khalifa. Big Sean. Big Sean. All the new guys. So at the time, it was all the new guys. So this is uh, right after Diamond started blowing up. This happened right after. When I started selling all that product, um, I met Currency through, uh, I mean, all these guys. I kind of met all these guys around the same time, probably because Diamond, you know, Diamond was becoming popular. But Currency was actually friends with one of my skaters that rode for Diamond, Terry Kennedy. Mm. Um So I met Currency, and he had his little fan base, but I didn't know that he had a fan base like he did, right? He had his whole, like, jet life thing going, but this is is right after he was on uh, Cash Money, I Mm. guess. He was signed to Lil Wayne. I met Currency, and he—it's funny because he actually asked me— that he was going to be on, what's that magazine, was um, it Double XL when they did the Freshman? Freshman Cup, yeah. Yeah, XL. so he's like, hey man, do you think you can like help me get out to New York to shoot this thing for the Freshman um, thing? So I was like, yeah, I'll hook you up. But that was the thing, I was going to pay for him to go out there, but then, I don't know, I think someone else did, and he just went, but that's how me and Currency kind of met and became friends, because he was wearing diamond all the time, and I thought that was tight, and I liked his music. Um so from currency, um, it's kind of how I think Wiz heard about Diamond was from currency, and um, I went to uh, I went to uh, South by Southwest, and um, someone sent me a picture, and they're like, "Hey, this dude Wiz Khalifa uh, just came into our store, and he bought a Diamond shirt, a sweatshirt." I'm like, "Oh, that's tight," because I heard of him because you know when you're listening to currency, you like. You know, he was doing shit with Wiz already. And then um, I went to the show at South by Southwest. And uh, Wiz was there performing, rocking the sweater on stage. And I was like, dope. This dude's wearing the diamond sweater. So I was like, what's up, man? I'm Nick, whatever. And we met. And I was like, let's do something together. And then uh, Brock just stayed in contact. And we ended up um, doing a collaboration with Wiz. Um We've already done a collaboration with Currency at the time, and it did really good. And then I was like, so that's when we really started this whole, like, artist collaboration thing. I um, I, I think that was a, a, a special uh, moment for Diamond Supply. And what I mean by that is, yeah, okay, you know, seeding people clothes is dope, and a lot of artists, and I feel like a lot of different artists, particularly in hip-hop, were wearing Diamond. But... You guys were literally uh, did multiple, uh, you know, collection drops with artists. Like yeah. where I'm sure you paid them 
Um, they made, they, made <coughs> they got money. royalties off of the yeah. stuff, and, and but it all happened organic. Yeah, but you know, of course, but that's that's like a big deal. Like, yeah, you, you know, it's it, it, yeah, and it wasn't. It, it was a bunch of people you were doing it, and I and they would be at the store. Um, yeah, it was a trip. How that all happened, man. Sold out quickly. Yeah, like even um. Well, that's what happened with Wiz. Was that so? The Wiz story was that maybe Rick Ross we dropped. I don't know if we dropped Wiz first or Rick Ross, but the Rick Ross story is pretty awesome, actually. He's amazing. I love that guy. He, like, the guys at my store called me, and this is after Hustlin' came out already. So he was, like, you know, he was he was popping, but not really yet popping, kind of popping. I thought he was dope, of course. And then he was going to come out with his album, Deeper Than Rap, and... um the guys at the store hit me up and they're like, hey man, that dude Rick Ross, the rapper, just came into the store right now. And um, they're like, it was a trip. He like was going through the t-shirts and he kept telling us how he had this one, he had that one, and then he would get all his diamond shirts in Miami. I'm like, that's tight. And then he's like, yeah. And then then he bought us all um, chicken wings and shit. Uh-huh. And he brought us them all. He bought us wings all chicken top. wings at the store. <laughs> and I was like, that's so tight. And they're like, yeah. And he stayed there for like two hours just talking to us and hanging out. And I was like, that's tight. Rick Ross is tight. So then I ended up meeting him the next time he came into town. I like went and met him at the store or something. And then we just became friends. We became, like, became close with him and all of his homies. And then... Uh, we did a collaboration. We did the MMG, Maybach Music, Diamond collaboration, and that thing went nuts. Mm. People were tripping on that. You that's know, right in his, when he was first starting to blow up. Sure, too. sure. No, that was so a bunch of That's how this all happened. Like, Rick Ross was blowing up, right? The boss. He was killing it. Currency, Jet Life. He had all of his fans, right? And they were all sneaker fans, too, like, because that's what Currency's into. So that was, like, a big thing that Diamond was associated with currency diamond was associated with rick ross then with khalifa which was crazy is that we did the collaboration with wiz and without knowing about the music that he was about to put out i designed a collection for him and i did um the pittsburgh you know the pittsburgh t-shirts with his the pittsburgh pirates logo flipped upside down to a lowercase d and so it was like a flipped upside down P and I did them all in black and yellow colorways. Sure enough, after I design it and send it all to him and we drop the collaboration, like a week later he drops black and yellow, mm. right? But when we did the collab, I knew Wiz was popular in the underground, but I had no idea to the extent of how popular he already was before black and yellow came out we dropped this stuff at the store and there was the craziest line down fairfax for wiz khalifa right um and it's so funny because i have pictures of wiz in the store and this is before odd future and there's pictures of tyler and all these guys in the store like little kids like tripping out on wiz khalifa it was pretty cool um i still have all those pictures but um he dropped black and yellow and they made the video, and him and his crew, and even his mom in the video, they're all wearing the diamond shirt collabo mm. through that video. And the Cassie. We dropped a Cassie That's right. shirt, too, around the same time. Cassie Ventura. And he's wearing that in the video, wearing the... So Diamond, at that point, was like Rick Ross, Currency, Wiz, all these new artists, right? And that's what all the kids liked. 
So me talking to the kids, they're all sneakerheads, they're all into these underground rappers. Diamond is on the forefront, like this new brand all these dudes are wearing. Diamond like went bananas. They like took mm. took off. Crazy. You know, twenty Thanks to those guys. Too. Yeah, of course. You know, twenty <clears throat> years in the game, you know, of diamond supply. What are some of your proudest moments? Um man, definitely obviously the Nike SB first drop. Um having the most amazing skate team, mm. being uh being able to start the company and have all the best pros in the world ride for my company because they were my homies is like the number one thing. That's what made us in skateboarding, right? Um the collaborations, man, the the friendships that I built with all these artists just because I had the brand, I met all these guys like Currency and Rick Ross and Wiz and people that I'm still cool with and Big Sean and, you know, people like that. I did a collab with Big Sean back in the day when he was first coming up. Um, I did a lot of collabs with these guys when they were before they were big. And that's what helped Diamond as well. Not sure. thinking that it was. I thought we were just doing, you know, I didn't know these guys were going to be what they've become. Mm. So. But listen, you're ahead of the game, you know. Shouts to, uh, you know, <coughs> you know, putting that program together. Shouts to Brock, too. Uh, yeah, you Brock, know, Brock helped with a lot of this stuff. Brock's the homie. I mean, back then, I was doing collabs with a lot of people. I did Puff Daddy collab. Um, shit. Tons of people. It was cool. That's when I was, like, people weren't really doing that. We were, like, the first ones to really do artist collabs. Mm. There were, the other brands weren't really, they weren't doing that. Back then, it was just us. Yeah, you know what? What's as you started to make more money, right? Become more successful. Um, all this was new to you. Yeah. You know, how did you did you get like? Do you have like a business manager or an accountant that would tell you what you could <coughs> yeah. spend? Or yeah, but during that time, I fell off hard. What do you mean? Like personally, like all the success, it was like overwhelming i didn't know what to do with it right because you know you come from san francisco um before that like before i started diamond i was a skater i like lived in a group home and shit like i really just didn't have anything so you know i would work jobs and get some money from skating things like that to buy sneakers right like i didn't have like anyone buying me shit or nothing like that so i really didn't have shit at all like literally so when all I started making all this money, I didn't know what the fuck to do, right? So what does someone do, right? I bought Ferraris, Rolls Royces, fucking But how party. does that feel? How does that feel? <laughs> Yo, honestly, how how does that feel to wake up one morning and just go how do you how'd you go buy a Ferrari? Like, like fucking dude, I went to the dealership. I was like, I'm gonna go one day I was like, I'm gonna go buy a Ferrari for my birthday. So you walk in like you know, I'm I'm just saying because this is think about it. You know, somebody who started this brand from nothing, <coughs> man. Yeah. You walk in now. What do you put in like on a on a card or something like that? Like, uh, do, like do you think down they payment look, on the card? Do you think they looked at you like you weren't gonna buy it? Did you yeah, feel that first, way? Yeah, until they saw all my financials and shit. Because you have to give them your bank statements, and they were like, "Whoa, that's crazy." And I just bought a Ferrari. I drove off with a fucking black uh, four five eight. I was like, "This is crazy." <laughs> I was like, "Holy shit, this is unreal!" Right? Now, did you ever get to a point where you uh, 
where you know like what's the dumbest thing you ever spent? i always ask like a lot of artists that like what's the dumbest a lot shit? of stuff man like that's what i'm saying how i fell off because i like personally i didn't know how to handle um all the success i think and i kind of like it just started partying all the time right i was going out to all the clubs i was you know supporting all my employees not just you know not just that they work for me but i was going out to the nightclubs and paying for everybody. I was coming to New York all the time, and all my homies would go out to all the nightclubs, and I would, like, pop bottles and just spend, like, ridiculous, like, insane amounts of money and just be wasted every day. At the clubs? Yeah. I remember a couple times, man. Listen, they should have renamed you to (coughs) Nikki Champagnes because uh, I remember at least 20, 30 bottles. Yeah, that was normal. Like, that was my thing. I'd go out every single night and i'd pop like bottles all night and it was always the dom perignon luminous champagne oh the ones that light up fourteen hundred dollars eleven hundred dollars a bottle and i'd buy like 30 40 of them at a time (laughs) i was going crazy like i lost myself for like years for like three years i was tripping hearing all that is all bad is classic and funny but how did you find yourself like how did you get back on track to be i don't want to say a better person because you were <coughs> terrible but just how i wasn't you... a bad person it was just that person i mean i was good to all my homies sure. i was good to all my friends i was paying for everything i was taking private jets i was flying my friends to vegas we were spending money like i was you know it was it was stupid it was like obscene what i was doing you know it was just like i had nobody telling me any different and I didn't know this is all new to me. It's like new money, right? It's like that's how that's how it goes down. I had nobody like helping me, so I kind of just was like spending money, like because I had all this money coming in. I spent like one year. I think it was like three million on just bottles or something. Mm. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's like the dumbest shit ever. So that's what happened, man. I kind of fell off. I was just like drinking, partying, diamond life, whatever. That's the first time I started hiring people to do design because I was always like out partying and didn't want to go to work. I was rich, you know. Um, the brand kind of, you know, it kind of started to fall off because I wasn't there. That was the problem. I, like, wasn't designing everything anymore. I hired other people to design my shit. I was off fucking off everywhere and, you know, traveling the world. I'm not saying it was all terrible. I had a great time, but it was, like, a complete waste of money for one, which is stupid. And myself, right? Like, for three years, I was just in this place of... I didn't even... I had, like, a, a real low, right? And I was like, I need to fucking get my company back. I'm just not drinking anymore. I gave it all up. I just mm. stopped. I was like, fuck this. My company, like, uh, kids weren't as psyched on it anymore. The designs weren't there like they used to be because, you know, it had a certain aesthetic when I was the only designer. Sure, sure. Right? And people could tell now that it wasn't designed by me anymore. It just looked different. So... um. I just took it back. I came back and I got rid of everybody. I got rid of all my whole design team and everything. And I was like, I'm going to be the only designer again. 
mm. and I just started doing it. Are you still the only designer? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so, but this was only, uh, this was current, man. This was only really when I did this was about two years ago. Two years ago, I was like, fuck this. I'm uh, taking back everything because this is what I love. I stopped drinking. I drink every once in a while, but nothing like that. I don't. I haven't popped a bottle in years. Like that shit's fucking retarded, right? So, um, I'm the only designer, man. I got rid of the whole design team, and now it's crazy because of how far we work ahead. My stuff that is now my current collections that are just coming out now. It took that long that now everything's all me. Mm. So all the new shit that is dropping now, like all our new collabs and all our new designs and everything, they were designed like, you know, over a year ago. But it's all my stuff again. When Rihanna dropped that song, Shine Bright Like a Diamond. Yeah. Didn't she, like, like get a diamond pillow? Or what, didn't she post something? Or uh... <laughs> That's funny that you brought that up because that was a little funny situation, man, because I... Uh, Rihanna's dope. Uh, Rihanna's super dope. Yeah, she uh, she was into Diamond. Same, you know, all these rappers were into Diamond. Everyone's into Diamond. She uh, had Diamond pillows. She was wearing a shirt, right? I made the shirt where um, I took a picture of my homie rolling a joint, but then I photoshopped out the weed and I put diamonds in it. Mm. And I made that into a photo tee. And it was just yeah, like, I remember that too. It was just hands holding a joint rolling up diamonds and then she was wearing that shirt she wore it like a couple times and then she dropped that single right um shine bright like a diamond and she recreated my t-shirt as her album cover but um i didn't have a problem with that i thought it was cool she like you know she had hands rolling a joint with the diamonds in it and i was like that's dope that she did that but I don't know. Someone must have told her something. She heard something that um, maybe I was tripping on it or something, but I wasn't. So I met her. And when I met her, she was like, oh, you're the, you know, you're the diamond guy. But she said it in a way like as if I was like hating on her, maybe. I don't know. But I wasn't. But Did you get a chance to explain yourself? No, I didn't say anything. I was just like, yeah, (laughs) whatever. So I met her and she was cool. But yeah, it was a trip. When that came out, that was tight. I liked that she used my shirt as her um, single. But that song, all this shit, like like a lot of people rap about Diamonds, and I, that's really tight, man, because that's the brand, like just the name Diamond, it like goes so far, right? Like how do you come up with a name for a brand that you see everywhere, right? Like I drive down the street, go through the jewelry district, there's my logo. That It's crazy that I actually have that trademarked. Like, I trademarked the diamond that all the jewelry stores use. So if anyone uses the diamond, I can actually sue them. But I've never done that. But people use them all the time. But how, who, who advised you how to do that? Is that just the trademark it? Yeah. Um, I got a, a trademark lawyer dude who just works in the skate industry, and I started trademarking. I got like. 10 diamond trademarks Mm. i got like multiple diamond shapes trademarked i got the logos i got slogans i got all kinds of shit trademarked people use them all the time forever 21 h&m all these people i could sue them Mm. but i don't know i'm just whatever it's not diamond hey listen they're making their shit but they they would sue you 
they would. You know? <laughs> Straight up. Don't feel bad. 100%. Say hello to my little friend. You know, <coughs> as we wind this episode down, let's go over the collabs, okay? And not just, we, we spoke about artists. You Didn't you do a kid robot? Yeah. Okay. You, you got, you just announced Coca-Cola. Yeah, that's Coca-Cola sick. But how do you year. convince like Coca Cola? Not saying convince, <laughs> but how does that even happen? Like, how does Coca Cola say, "Okay, we'll we'll do something with you"? That's the thing, you know. I mean, these brands like they're looking for, you know, they want to be cool too in certain spaces, right? I don't think Coke's done anything with a brand that's related to skateboarding. So when that came about, they were just like, you know, I'm like. If we we had the opportunity on the table to do something with Coke, I'm like, hell yeah, let's like pursue it. So it just happened, man, you know, talking back and forth with them and they have to approve everything. You know, we I design a collection and then they tell us if they like it or not. And we have to tell them where we're going to sell it and all this stuff. And then, mm. yeah, so mm. that's a lot of red happened. tape. Yeah. But I mean. They don't, I mean, I, the first stuff I designed, they, like, denied most of it because they have their guidelines. But the collection now, I mean, it's fire. That doesn't come out till the end of the year. But we have a lot of collabs coming out right now. Can you name any? Um, Basquiat we dropped this week. Nice. That's a big one that I'm super happy about since I'm, like, a big art fan in Basquiat, of course, because he's, like, you know. He's the god. Yeah. I think of him as, like. You know, the mentality. It's not just his art, but it's, like, the mentality of how he did everything with, like... He's, like, super rebellious, kind of like skateboarding, you know? Mm. Like, his art was really rebellious and kind of the same thing. Like, my story that I just told about how, you know, all the success, you know, kind of fucked me up. Like, it really did. Like, you hear that, like, oh, you know, people get successful and then things happen. That shit really happened to me. Like, I kind of lost myself in all the success, right? And then, like, his story... He did too, right? Like, he blew up super fast. And then, you know, unfortunately, he got addicted to drugs and, you know, passed away and yeah. everything. But Could, he, it was yeah. the same problem. He, like, got rich super fast, super young, didn't know what to do, and that's what happened. Why that. Why were you in a group home? I, you know, I know you mentioned you were in a group home. Why <coughs> just family problems, man, when I was a kid. Like, we just didn't have shit, and my parents were always fighting, and... I just was never home. I just would never go to school. I'd run around my friends and just doing dumb shit, selling drugs and stuff at a really young age. Like mm. Selling weed, acid, like mushrooms, like crazy shit. And I was like 10 years old, like literally 10, uh, riding around on my bike selling drugs at the high school to people. I'm just like this little kid. I was to the point I'd go to juvenile hall all the time. That was the problem. I'd always get arrested. I'd get arrested so much that... I'd just be riding down the my bike on you know my bike down the street and the cops would pull me over. They all knew me and shit. They'd be like, you know, they'd search me and whatever. It's a hell of embarrassing because they'd always do it. Um, but I was just trying to make some sort of money, right? Because we didn't have any. So that's what happened, man. I just kept going, getting um, put in juvenile hall, and then when I was like fourteen, um, me and my friends we stole a we stole a. a a motor scooter, right? It's so stupid. Like, we stole a motor scooter, and uh, we were just riding it around. Um, and I was like, yeah, you take it home, right? Like, I don't, I don't want it. And he, like, took it home. But then 
I guess his mom or someone tripped on him having it, and he just, like, dropped it off on my front lawn of uh, my dad's place. And um, I was, like, 14 years old, and the police showed up, and I'd already been arrested so much. They, like, they arrested me, and then, you know, because I had all these other, like, I was always there. Like, I was, like, my life. I was, like, always in juvenile hall. Like, to the point when I'd go into juvenile hall, they'd be like, Tertia's back, mm. right? That's my last name. He's back home. Yeah. Tertia's back, and it's funny because, you know, you go in there, and I'd be out for months, and I'd go back in there, and the same kids are still fucking in there, like, yeah. forever. It's, yeah. like, crazy. So um, I'd, I'd know everybody in there when i go back. So they were like, you're going to go to this... uh this was all going happening in San Jose, actually. So uh, I was 14 years old, and they're like, "You're gonna go to this uh, boys' ranch for a year, or go to a group home until you're 18 in San Francisco." And I'm like, "So if I go to the group home, I'm like, I can just like go to school and like do the same thing." that I'm doing and they're like yeah and I'm like fuck I'm going to go to San Francisco and just skate right sure I'm not going to sit in fucking this boys ranch for a year I'd rather just spend four years in San Francisco my I never am fucking with my family anyway right it's not like I'm ever home and any of that stuff so I went to this group home man and that's where I met all my friends that were like pro skaters not in the group home but just hanging out in Embarcadero in San Francisco you know what's amazing? You know what's amazing, man. You were getting arrested for what you did, and now you're being over the years later. You're being re- uh, award, you know, rewarded for what you did. <coughs> you know, yeah, in a way, kind of. That you know, no, no matter what the past happened, you got to be happy to where you elevated yourself. Yeah. You know, even even now, I you know, you spoke about you know, you know, spending money stupidly and fucking up in that sense, but it could have been worse. You know, you still have a lot. And, and one thing I'm really proud to see of you is you broke down uh, doors. You broke down a lot of barriers, um, done a lot of different things, painted your own kind of picture out here and and inspired tons of other brands and inspired tons of other kids that they don't have to just go work a nine to five if they don't want to. Yeah. You know, think about that. I mean, look, I've seen it with my own eyes. I mean, Internet's who... Internets who know you could probably say, okay, yes, for sure. Internets who don't know you that are listening to this could understand that, uh, you know, uh, you, you're a brand and also you have a brand, if that makes any sense. Yourself, Nikki Dimes, is a brand and Diamond Supply is a brand. It's not always normal thing or easy thing to do. Yeah. It's, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's got to be something that you got to be real proud of, man. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, if if I never went to the group home, I would have never um, met all my friends in San Francisco, right? So it all happened for a reason. Because then, when I was in the group home, was a really rough time for me because the group home that I went to was no supervision, right? It was like the craziest place. It was like. We had counselors, but the counselors that they would hire were just college students, right, that maybe took some, like, classes in at City College or something um, for, like, psychology or something, sure, sure. and then they could become a group home counselor, right? So I'm just living with a bunch of kids that I'm a kid living with. Obviously, back then when I'm 14, they seemed older because they're, like, in their early 20s or whatever, but really they were just kids. Sure. So, so I wasn't going to school. 
I never went to school. Like, I just wouldn't go. I would just go skate. So that was my whole thing. I'd go down to Embarcadero in San Francisco, and I would just ride my skateboard. And that's what we would do. I would just hang out with my friends and never go to school and just skateboard. And that's how this all ended up happening for me being this guy today in the skateboarding industry or whatever all happened because I got put in this group home and ended up building this family of skater friends in San Francisco that luckily Embarcadero at the time where we were skating became the mecca of street skating because it's where Thrasher Magazine was from San Francisco and they really started highlighting Embarcadero, our crew, um, because everyone that was down there, for some reason, we had some of the sickest dudes in the world, street skaters, coming up there, making up all the new tricks. And in the early 90s, is um, everyone from even New York, everybody all around the world would come down to San Francisco, to Embarcadero. Mm. And it was basically the mecca of street skating at the time. And we all became famous just being, in the skateboard world, we became famous just being the EMB crew, right? Mm. EMB posse. We uh, would store, st- stood for Embarco's Most Blunted, because that's what we would do. We'd hang out there and smoke weed and drink 40s and skate. And we were like gangster kids on skateboards, right? And that wasn't... People didn't... Um, associate the two with skateboarding at the time it was more of like an orange county surfer skate thing but we were kids that were like into hip-hop and you know some of us were into punk rock and hip-hop and skateboarding and we were you know it was the early 90s so we're like skateboarding in like polo and nautica and tommy hilfiger and shit like that that you know the street sure. kids were wearing you're like these are skaters like what are these dudes doing right but that's how i ended up becoming good friends with like all the um supreme dudes back then like they would all come to new they would all come to san francisco harold hunter and justin pierce and you know keith huffdinkle and keenan milton and all these guys another um, one who opened up right at, at a young age um, we all became homies. This is before Supreme opened. These were like just the skaters from New York. But then when Supreme opened, they all skated for the skate shop, you know. But these were all our friends. So that's how I started coming to New York, too. This was even before Kids came out, before mm. the movie Kids came out. This mm. was way back. Classic. Listen, quite, the, the, the the journey of Diamond, 20 plus years. Um, I love, you know, all starting from the beginning <coughs> with the Tiffany Dunklow. Um, even later on, coming back out with the high top. Why did that high top happen? The high top happened because... Did you ask for it? Yeah. So I asked for it from the beginning. So back in the day when we dropped the dunk, um, I was happy about the low, don't get me wrong, but I was already into SBs because, you know, I was sponsoring all the guys on Nike SB. I had all the SBs um, prior to mind coming out but i was really into the highs Mm. and i was like man it'd be sick if i could make a high right but they're like we want to do a low and i was like cool so i was cool with the low but from the original thing the first one could have been a high because that's what i really really wanted was the high so years went by right so from 2005 till 2013 or 14 is when the high came out i just kept talking to him being like when's the high coming out kind of just joking around right and then one day um yeah, I was like, man, what's up? When are we putting out this high? And then they're like, you really want to do it? I was like, yeah, of course. So it just happened, man. 
I just like kept asking him for it, and then people we loved the it. High top, same thing. Five thousand pairs. Nah, this time, and this is crazy because this one had hella hype too. Like nine years later, or whatever it was, um, crazy hype. Twenty five thousand pairs this time. Fuck. Sold out in seconds. Same thing. And I'm like, damn, that's crazy. How do you sell out twenty five thousand pairs of shoes just like that? Right, like gone. But um, same thing, man. Yeah, people people were stoked on those that that shoe. You know, I mean, I guess you know by then it's like almost ten years later. It was like an iconic thing. Yeah, man. And then you did the the Ronnie Feige A six. You did the Pumas. Mm-hmm. You know, listen, Diamond Supply has sixteen pairs of Pumas already. Really? Yeah. Fuck. What a relationship you have with them. Great relationship. No, I'm saying it's, it's it's amazing. You know what's what's uh, as we wind this episode down. <coughs> what's what's next for Diamond Supply? Um, Got a bunch of collabs coming up. Bunch of collabs. That's it, man. It's just me. Like I just love doing it because, like, it's just I like making art, man. I'm just like a designer. Like I design so much. Like it's all I do now. I like. I mean, I've always always done that, except for my little hiatus that I went on with my drinking and partying and all that shit but other than that I just sit home and at work constantly making shit designing clothes man designing mm-hmm. graphics I do all of our t-shirt graphics hundreds and hundreds and I have over I was just counting the other day I have over 300 t-shirt graphics just that I've done just this year that I haven't put out yet mm-hmm. like I and I put out hella t-shirt graphics and i'm like how do i have stockpiled 300 that i haven't even that's how much that's how many graphics i'm doing man this is like an artist you put in fucking making songs yeah i'll sit there on the computer and i'll do like 15 graphics in a night and shit what's uh what's next for you outside of uh you know the the brand anything else that you're, you're working on um yeah there's some things um just little stuff like you know ever since i was a little kid like selling weed at 10 years old i'm still you know i'm i'm getting in the weed game a little bit in cannabis yeah cannabis that. world um have a growing con- the diamond strain yeah we have a i have a big warehouse um that i have that we're doing it's all legal all permitted um got got it all licensed and permitted to grow so we're doing that um starting some brands Mm. Um, have a lot of homies in the weed game, like Burner and, you know, my friends from San Francisco, a lot of my friends from San Francisco, they own dispensaries and all that stuff. So I kind of was like, you know, it's a great industry. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, now it's all legal in California. So it's crazy. I'm getting into that. Um, doing doing some weed brands and growing. Nice. Yeah. Any uh, any investments that, uh, you think people should get into or do you think that are are great to, uh, do um as of right now i don't know man i'm always like up on real estate i think real estate's a good thing you know but people are always like oh it's gonna crash you know whatever but i think you can't lose i i own i own properties and shit i've been i've been doing that um i really want to start flipping more houses and stuff Mm. remodeling houses that's fun see that's like art it's like the same thing sure sure like you know some people flip houses but they're just flipping it for just for the money, I mean, I'm doing it for the money too, but I love flipping it and designing it sure, and building it doing up all that shit myself, like designing the whole thing, how if I wanted to live in this house, how would it look like? And that's what I'm into, architecture. Any books? Any books that you're reading? 
Right now, no, not really. There's books that I love Anything that I've that read in the past that I love that I think people should read. What is that? Um, the Alchemist is a great one. Mm. Um, the Prophet by Khalil Gibran mm. is one of my favorite books ever. I think everyone should read that book. It's really great. If you haven't checked it out, you should. He's a Lebanese um, author from. He's from Lebanon. His uh, his village is actually not far from where my family's village is from, but. He's amazing. He was amazing. Um, I don't know, man. Just a lot of stuff, dude. I like have a lot of things going on. But as of right now, this last couple years, I've been like really focusing back on Diamond Hard, like 100%. Because it's like my love, right? It's like where I can create shit, make it. And it's like art, right? I see people sure. walking down the street wearing my stuff. It's tight. I love that. Listen, I, uh, the journey has been tremendously special, you know, uh, and and as as we um, <coughs> as we mentioned in the beginning of how you inspired uh, so many kids, so many brands. Right now, for those who are listening, um, that have a T-shirt brand or have some type of brand idea in mind, or or anything, or or maybe struggling with with, with what they fucking want to do in life. Um, any advice that you have for them? Yeah, man. It's, I mean, just like I always, I always say this, it sounds so simple, but it's like, if you believe you can do it, you can, man. It just takes the motivation, right? It's like, if you have a dream, if you want to be like a rapper, you want to be a DJ, you want to be a designer, you want to be a pro skateboarder, it's all practice, right? It's all like just really going out there and doing it. Like you're not getting anything done sitting on your couch dreaming about it, right? It's like, you really have to go do it. That's something that I know it's a funny story. This sounds like a funny story, but it's true, man. And shout out to Nike again, because this is a true story that before I started Diamond, I remember I was sitting at my house and I kept having all these ideas about how I wanted to start a company, right? And I was like, yeah, I want to start a company. I want to do this. I want to do that. But I really wasn't doing shit. I was just skateboarding and fucking off with my friends, right? But then it's funny that I had some Jordans. Um, and this is when they had, you know, the Nike slogans on them. There was a, just do it. I want to say, I want to say the box was actually, so this was a long time ago. Um, the patent leather, what are those 11s? Patent yep. leathers. Um, on the box, if it was those, it said, just do it on there. And I swear, I was like, no shit. Just fucking do it, man. You just have to <laughs> fucking start this company. Right. So I did. Like, I just had to go do it, or else I would have just never did it. But shout out to Nike for that, too. Like, that slogan. Like, it's crazy, right? Nike inspired you. Look, look <coughs> I wish you nothing but the best of success. I'm glad we're able to finally sit down. The journey is, is truly inspiring. I mean, Thanks, sometimes man. we we as people don't realize that. You know what I mean? Because we're doing it. We're in the midst of it. We're yeah. creating. We're this. But like, like I said, <coughs> I've, I've seen you. You got a big heart. Um, done a lot for a lot of people and that's just only in my opinion I'm not trying to be spiritual here but just God giving back to you man um, and, and thank you, keeping you propelling man and so I'm I wish you I'm very blessed and I'm very thankful yeah man I wish you and, and bro there's so much things it's like we fucking taper forever bro even Paxson and all these other places like, that you're in it's like the retail game is sick too with Diamond you know you're in all these stores and you know it, it's an inspiration for anybody thinking about it somebody right now listening that's even in a group home that they can too do something that can change their life and others and their and you know and 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 more you know for sure man you just got to believe in yourself it's inspiring 
uh, Nikki Diamonds on uh, Instagram. At Nikki Diamonds on Instagram. At DiamondSupplyCo.com. Yep, di- uh, DiamondSupplyCo.com, at Nikki Diamonds, and then we also have at Diamond Supply Co. and at Diamond Footwear. Mm, mm. Antonitz, the one and only. And and, and I got to say it too, uh, you know, the legendary Nikki Diamonds. Cheer. Antonitz, if you enjoyed that episode, I want you to email me at thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. Again, that email is thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought. And listen, all my advertisers out there, all my big businesses, my small businesses, whoever, a friend, a store, you want to advertise on the Premium Pete Show? Email me at thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com, and let's get working, okay? Make sure you subscribe, rate, leave a comment on all streaming platforms or podcasts. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And we'll see you next episode. Cheers.